Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Nowhere Podcast. Today we're talking about Malabar with Karen Early from NU Farah. Thanks for joining me, mate. Our pleasure. How are you? Yeah, really well. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Pretty good. How's how's lockdown been treating you? Yeah, look, um, I think once you decide to, you know, make the mental decision of keeping your routine and you know, not focusing on the negatives and just focus on, you know, for me personally, you know, get up early, train, you know play with the family for a little bit, then head into work and come home and, you know, do your normal things you do after hours. I think that's really important. Um, for me, having that routine uh, has made a big difference for me. You know, granted, it's difficult on a Friday night, Saturday night and a Sunday when, you know, you're pretty much stuck at home or going for, you know, long walks, which everyone's doing twice a day sometimes. But, mate, otherwise, you know, just, yeah, made the decision to, um, you know, not worry about, things I can't control and just to look positive and focus on work and family. 100%. It's a good outlook to have and I'm in a similar boat as well. Like, yes, it's what you make of it at the end of the day. I, I yeah, personally, look, it is. I personally got into running. I run a marathon on the weekend. <laughs> I need two weeks of training. So, yeah, you definitely just have to pull the good from the bad. Yeah, certainly. And there's a lot of people in worse positions for sure. Yeah, look, you know, a lot of people stuck in quarantine and, you know, no employment. Uh, you know, you've got to feel for the ones who have got families scattered all over the country or all over the world and just can't see them. You know, the ones having babies and they can't have their family, can't have their loved one in the room with them. It's pretty pretty brutal, but it's just, it is what it is. You know, just got to roll with the punches, unfortunately, until we can get to those magic markers of 70 and 80% and hopefully we don't have any more flare-ups again and, you know, people do the right thing so we can get on with, you know, some form of normality. Exactly, exactly that. Um, and I guess in, in terms of business as well, how, how has COVID affected your business? Yeah, look, um, it hasn't really uh, affected our business financially. Um, it's more just uh, the, the mental change. Um, we've got a lot of staff working from home, which makes it incredibly difficult until you figure out that you've got to do more yourself. You can't just, you know, be palming off more of the work. So, it's forced a lot of agents to actually step up their game, I think, and give better service, have better paperwork and things like that. Uh, but, look, you know, it, it is difficult having a skeleton staff in all the offices and everyone working from home and, you know, internet problems and scanner problems and things like that. But once you get past that um, and you just focus on, on, on the work and, and the clients and the service, um, you know, it's fine. You know, the only difficulty I'm experiencing personally is trying to ensure that your buyers turn up on time. They stick to a 10 or 15 minute time slot, depending on the size of the home. And you, know, you just manage people getting in and getting out. That's my biggest issue at the moment is people want to get out and start walking around the house outside and things like that. So we're trying to tell them, look, just wait in the car or go for a walk and come back in 10 minutes. Just so there's not lots of people out the front putting a, a target on the home. So we're, just mindful of that, people's safety, and, you know, most people have been really good and been on time or been early uh, and things like that. Everyone understands the climate we're in, you know, sanitised masks and all those bits and pieces, excuse me, but that's really been the only only real obstacle is trying to figure out the calendar uh, and you can only get so many people in in a two-hour window uh, or a three-hour window depending on the, on the home's popularity. Yeah, so really just adapting and pivoting with the times that we're in and... 100%. Time management, time management's a big one as well. Yeah, that's all it is. Time management, and you know, as I said at the start, just you know, rolling with the punches and uh, adapting like any any business that's been affected by 
COVID or, or NSW health guidelines, you've just got to adapt quickly and that's just the new, new normality. Uh, I think we, we got lucky whilst it was devastating last year's first outbreak. It taught people really quickly about how we have to live and how we have to work. So going into lockdown 2.0 on June 26, at least I think everybody knew what we were in for. You know, granted, we didn't know it was going to be this long, but most people knew what they were in for, you know, how to shop and get in and get out and, um, you know, at least we've had a taste of the hardships we're going to go through again. Not, not knowing is always hard. For sure, yeah, because there was a lot of uncertainty last year. Yeah. But now it just feels like the new normal. And I was just saying to my friend the other day, it, it just feels like this is normal now. I'm not really. Yeah, I'm you just got to kind of it. dust yourself off and keep going. Exactly, but looking forward to going to the pub again. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty keen to uh, do that myself. Uh, even just have a barbecue at someone's house and have a couple of drinks. Uh, a restaurant, you know, even the simple things of you know, having breakfast at seven thirty on your own in the morning with the paper just for 20 minutes before your day starts. You know, there's simple things like that, that little downtime, um, you know, the things that you kind of miss after a couple of weeks. But hopefully uh, we're only a couple of weeks away. Yeah, and I think it's definitely going to make people appreciate the the little things more. 100%, 100%. Okay. I guess in terms of yourself, um, I think it will be good to give us a bit of background from, I guess, how you got into real estate. And yep. That'd be good. For sure. So uh, fell into real estate by chance, purely. Uh, I was 17, six, yeah, 17, uh, just at a family dinner and was just chatting to a, a really close family friend um, who I've obviously looked up to for, for many, many years. And she asked me, you know, what are you going to do with your life? And said to her that I wasn't really sure and, you know, like to get into kind of sports coaching or something like that. Um, with, you know, health and things like that. And she mentioned, why don't you try real estate? You like to talk a lot. So give real estate a try and um, set up an interview uh, September 1999, something like that, when school was finishing uh, as a 17-year-old. And uh, that was down at NG Farakuji on Coogee Bay Road and um, got offered the job pretty much straight away. And I started in December 1999. So purely by chance and... You know, 21-odd years later, I'm, you know, still here and, you know, part of the family now at NG Farron, one of the owners in the business, and uh, it just was a, a good fit. Uh, I know a lot of young people sometimes go from job to job and change industries until they find their fit, but for me, it worked really well. I just, you know, love talking to people all day and looking at homes. It's Whilst it's the same, you know, buying and selling every day, every day I'm meeting someone new, I'm looking at a different home in, in the same suburbs or different suburbs, so... For me, after all these years, it's still pretty exciting and, you know, just lucky that uh, I had a family friend basically open my eyes to give real estate a try and uh, Theo Karangis, who interviewed me, offered me the job and I, I took it and, you know, a couple of grey hairs later, I'm still here. Been there ever since. Yeah, so yeah exactly. It must, it must be a good, um, I guess, vibe and good culture within the team there. Yeah, look, there's um, a lot of long-standing staff here. Um, you've got... Some, some guys and girls here that have been here for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Um, we've got about 60-odd staff and, you know, I reckon 20 of them have been here for 20 years or more and 20 of them for 10 or ten years or more. So most of the staff that come to, to NG Farrah generally stay for long periods of time because it is a very family-orientated business. Uh, the the Farrah family is still very much involved. Uh, Marty and Glenn, my business partners, um, which is uh, 
NG's sons. They're obviously still very hands-on and run the business. Um, Stephanie Farrah, Glenn's daughter, is one of our young gun agents coming through the ranks really well and will probably be the number one agent in NG Farrah within you know three to five years if she keeps her trajectory going the same way. That's awesome. Definitely a good sign when people are staying for a long time because it is quite common, as you say, for people to move around in the real estate industry. Yeah. So must be doing something right there, which is good. Yeah, look, you know, and I think a lot of us that have been for so long just don't know any better either. So, you know, when, you, when you're somewhere for so long and, and you enjoy where you are, you don't really look over the fence to see what others are doing. You just, you know, worry about yourself and, you know, we all take care of each other. You know, yeah, we have a Barney here and there like everyone does, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, we've got everyone's back and, you know, we all just take care of each other. It's great. It, yes. it really is like a family. Um, so it's nice to come to work and, you know, respect and love your staff and have fun at the same time. Yeah, it's good. To, it's really important to have that culture because sometimes it doesn't even feel like work because you're surrounded by good people. Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the amount of hours a real estate agent does, uh, a lot of people probably have no idea the amount of hours that, you know, the hardworking ones do. You know, it's six to seven days a week you know, 12 hours a day uh, and then at home on the emails and on the phone calls still because a lot of people work full-time and can't talk to us until 7 at night. So there is a lot of um, a lot of stuff you don't see after hours. So, you know, it's a great industry, but, you know, it's very very tough on some people that aren't used to the long hours and, you know, it's one of those things where it either toughens you up very fast or, you know, people get out of the industry. Yeah, it looks very glossy from the outside, but, um, yeah, it definitely isn't the case once you're in there. Exactly right. Yeah, look, you know, from the outside, um, you know, it looks like a really easy business, but, you know, to have someone hand their keys to say, here, sell my house, it's not easy. You know, you've got to build trust, build a name, uh, have runs on the board as a selling agent, um, you know, know the area um, and obviously, you know, have good sales results. Um, same as property management, you know, you've got to be able to have clients with good satisfaction to get more business. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very important. For sure. I love how limitless it is as well because you really, what you put in is what you get out, which is so good. The harder you work, the, the more you're going to get. Um, yeah, very guess, so. In terms of like, wh whereabouts did you actually grow up in the East? Um, and I grew up, uh, born and raised Matraville boys. So 2036 Matraville uh, in Maroubra. Uh, yeah. So I spent um, yeah, my very early years in Matraville and then my teens and early 20s in Maroubra, which is the next suburb. So you know, grew up on Rubra Beach uh, from a very young age, doing nippers there as a five-year-old at South Rubra Surf Club. Um, so very much entrenched, you know, in that uh, Matraville, Rubra, um, you know, Ranwick, Coogee uh, lifestyle. But you know, yeah, pretty much focused. You know, my young young years and school years was uh, Matraville, um, St Agnes Matraville was my primary school, and then I went to Marsh Brothers Pagewood um, High School, Catholic school. Nice. What was it like growing up in those areas? Mate, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, good, good bunch of people. Um, you know, very family orientated. You know, I remember growing up on the street playing literally football and cricket on the street. Um, <laughs> as a young kid, there was lots of kids on the street from you know probably five years older than me to five years younger than me. So there's probably ten to fifteen kids that sort of played on the street most afternoons and. You know, you walk to school and you rode your bike to 7-Eleven to get your Slurpee and things like that. So uh, it was a really good lifestyle, um, you know, very, very sport mad. You know, um, most of the people around that area either love the Rabbitohs or, or love the Chookies. So, um, you know, it was a great, great place to grow up in. And, you know, to have River Beach uh, and Malabar and Little Bay 
uh, all around you. Uh, you know, it's a pretty pretty good place to grow up in. For sure. No, it sounds like a good lifestyle. Very um, a good community feel as well, it sounds. Yeah, and look, it hasn't changed too much. Um, yeah, it's got busier with the development and, and just the general growth of the area, um, but it's still got that pretty good community feel, um, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, awesome. Well, that gives us a, a good background about yourself. So let's move on to Malabar. Go for it. What, what would you say draws people to move to Malabar? Yeah, look, uh, for me personally, um, I've always thought, you know, Malabar has a, a really good appeal in the fact that it's a very small insulated suburb. Um, you know, there's only probably a 1,000 houses in the whole street, um, very little commercial, very little strata. Predominantly, it's all freestanding houses or, or the very popular semi-duplex styles that have been getting built the last 20 years. So that's um, very much the area. For me personally, I think Malabar is great in the fact that you don't drive through Malabar. You know, to head north, you have to go through Maroubra, you have to go through Coogee. Um, but Malabar is a very insulated, you know, peninsula where you go around it, uh, a bit like Pagewood and a bit like Clovelly in the fact that, um, you know, it's a very protected little pocket. Um, you know, Malabar's, you know, got a very nice, you know, cute little beach, a uh, beautiful rock pool, and then you've got four golf courses in a row with uh, Ranwick, The Coast, St Mixed and NSW. Um, you know, it's a pretty unique place to have four golf courses, a beach and a rock pool, uh, and it's a very little commercial industrial or, or strata so it does have a very real you know authentic genuine you know community feel to it yeah, awesome so lots to do um obviously suitable for younger families even yeah. older people as well yeah look it's just got that nice feel to it. there's always someone walking their dog or kids playing on the street or in the park um you know people doing stand-up paddle boarding and scuba diving and things like that uh, there's a little boat ramp off, off Malabar, so people launch, you know, small, small tinny-style boats uh, to do their fishing and whatnot. So it's a really good little lifestyle. And I think that the people coming from the, you know, just northern suburbs of Maroubra, you know, Coogee, Clovelly, uh, Ramwick, Kensington, Kingsford, um, you know, they're getting great value. You know, it's obviously it's not cheap. It's very expensive, don't get me wrong. But, you know, a similar house in Coogee um, with views and whatnot, you're probably talking $10 million dollars where you come to Malabar and you're probably going to get it for three and a half to five. So, you know, incredible saving. It's literally eight to 10 minute drive to Coogee Beach from Malabar. There's such a crazy price difference for 10 minute drive. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. Even Maroubra Beach, you know, some of the houses in North Maroubra um, that are just a, a nice, you know, quaint single level style home. They're selling to four and a half to five. That's, that gets you the best houses in Malabar. Yeah, wow. In comparison, you're pretty much saving half. And Very good value for money then. Pretty similar. Yeah. And how have you seen, um, I guess, Malabar change over the years? You've obviously been in the industry quite a while now. Yeah, look, obviously, you know, growing up in the area, um, I knew it personally, you know, before a career. And then from a real estate point of view, um, you know, it, it's just such a, a popular suburb now that people are actually looking for Malabar specifically not Maroubra in surrounding suburbs or Coogee surrounding. They're actually looking for Malabar or Little Bay, uh, Phillip Bay, La Perouse type, type thing because it offers a pretty unique lifestyle that, you know, a lot of people don't, don't get in other suburbs. Um, there's been a, a huge, you know, development boom in Malabar. Lots of houses getting rebuilt, lots of duplexes getting built because a lot of the streets do offer some pretty special views either over the beach, over the ocean, 
uh, or over the golf courses themselves. Uh, so it is a, a pretty unique lifestyle down here. And, you know, to be able to build a new home and look over the golf course and the ocean, um, you know, it's a pretty special place to live. It's 15 minutes to the CBD. Yeah, awesome. And what would be the top performing street in Malabar? Uh, well, the, the record highest price in Malabar to date is 147 Prince Edward Street, which I sold in March this year for $4.75 million. Um, that backed onto the golf course and then the ocean is right behind it. So pretty special views uh, to be able to wake up and have the sun, you know, straight in your home at 6am and then people walking past in, uh, or driving past in their buggies or walking past with their golf sticks. Um, you know, it's a pretty special lifestyle. Uh, but there's been a few more houses around the fours, high threes, but uh, the probably the most popular would be Prince Edward Street, which is the current record. Uh, you know, Bay Parade, which is right where the beach is, Dacre Street. Um, and things like that. They're probably the, the top three streets. Um, they all offer great views um, right on the beach, right on the golf course. So they're probably the, 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 the top three streets, but there's six or seven other streets which are literally like that far behind. Um, so, you know, Malabar is only a very small suburb and, you know, they all offer a great lifestyle, whether you're on the beach or four or five streets back. Uh, it's only a tiny, tiny suburb. So, you know, the, the longest walk to the beach would be 15 minutes in Malabar. Yeah, wow. Well, okay. five, five, 10 minutes to the golf course. So it's a pretty good lifestyle. You know, there's, you know, seven or eight premium streets. But if I had to pick two or three, I, I would say Prince Edward Street, um, Dacre, Bay Parade, Eucla um, is obviously a good street as well. But, you know, Zion's is a great street. Um, you know, it, it's a really, really nice little, you know, insulated suburb. Is it quite a tightly held area as well? Turnover is pretty slow. Um, generally, they're all families living there. There's not many investors that go and, you know, buy a block of land and sit on it for 50 years or 10 years. They're probably wanting to live there um, or build build one and sell one or build them and sell them both. Um, so the, the, the turnover generally is pretty slow. Um, a lot of the homes there, you know, would come up, I reckon, every 15 years, not every five to seven, which I think is the average. So definitely it's a, a slower turnover, which is good because it makes it more scarce and, when they do come up, you know, there's generally a healthy amount of buyers wanting to uh, buy the property. Makes your job easier. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and what would, the, what would the average land size be for a home in Manabar? Uh Look, you, they range anywhere from sort of 350 up to about 700. Um, you know, there's not too many bigger than that. So the average would be around the five to 550 mark. But there are some that are bigger up to sevens and things like that. But around the 500 mark would be about normal for Malabar. Yeah, okay. a decent plot of land. Yeah. Um, and I guess in you say there's a, a lot of young families, et cetera. What would be the, the schools in the catchment area? Yes, yeah, so there's obviously us at uh, St Andrews at Malabar, um, which is uh, right, right on the beach, which is obviously a, a great live school. Um, there's uh, the state school next door. Um, you've got uh, Matraville High School, obviously just down the road. Um, there's Yarra Bay, uh, there's St Agnes, there's a soldier settlement at Matraville. So there's a handful of, um, of schools within, you know, a, a couple of kilometres. There's also the, uh, the two primary schools at River Beach as well. What's the choose from that? Yeah, so there is. So, you know, um, I know it's uh, very tough getting into some of the schools now about the catchment. So there are some families that are moving to certain suburbs to be able to go in certain state schools and things like that. Because um, there are, like anything, there are some which are more popular. Um, so therefore you want to make sure that your kids are going to the schools that you think best suit, you know, your child and your family. 
Awesome. All right, mate. Well, that gives us a, a really good insight to Malabar. Um, I, obviously, there's a lot of buyers struggling in this market. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone out there struggling at the moment? Yeah, look, well, it, it, it all comes down to, you know, why they're struggling. Um, you know, sometimes they might be looking at properties that are above their price range. Um, you know, but generally, you know, my advice to a buyer is if you see a house that you want, try and secure it. You know, don't wait for the auction. Uh, if, if it has to go to auction for whatever reason of a, a divorce case or it's an estate or the owners just want to go to auction for their own choice, fair enough. But if there is an ability to be able to secure the home prior to auction and you really want it, chances are two or three other families want it as well. So, you know, my advice would be do your due diligence on the building and pest report if it's a house, strata report if it's strata, uh, look at it twice, you know, make sure you, you, your broker gives you the green light. Uh, if you have any person who you use it as an advisor, chat with them quickly. And I'd be trying to move on the home within two or three days, in my opinion, if, if you've seen a lot of homes in the air and you know what you want. Because yeah. if you're buying a property prior to auction, even if you're paying a little bit more, you're buying it at a price you're prepared to pay. If you go into auction, A, you don't know if you're going to get it, and B, you don't know what you're going to spend for it. So you know, a lot of people uh, are happy to you know, secure a home knowing that it's their property, not turning up to auction knowing where, where it's going to land up. And with clearance rates at 85%, even via Zoom auctions and, and auction now, um, there aren't any cheap buys anymore. You know, it's not like it was 15, 20, 30 years ago, you know, before the internet was a big thing with domain and real estate and homely. Um, you know, there aren't any cheap buys. There's, there's no deals. The buyers are out there. They've got information with RP data and APM and everyone's got a cousin or a relative who's a broker or a real estate agent you know, or a buyer's advocate, whatever it may be. So everyone's got that information available at hand. So if you see something you like, short short answer is secure it as soon as you can. Otherwise, someone else will. Yeah, so really get clear on what your money can buy you. Um, and then I guess when it comes to it, be decisive and don't sure. be around the bush. You know, if if you have been looking for several months and you and you just can't secure a home, you know, hiring someone like yourself to be able to, you know, weed through um, all the properties and find the right ones for them. You might be able to find something off market or, you know, be able to just cut through the red tape with the agent and, you know, fast forward a week into two days, um, you know, might just secure someone at home that's been, you know, missing out for, you know, weeks or months or even even longer. So, you know, hiring a buyer's agent, uh, depending on where you are in your buying cycle, you know, can save you, you know, quite some time. Yeah, for sure, because... Some people just see it as an extra cost associated with purchasing, but what they don't realise is the the cost of inaction of them taking so long to purchase. Well, especially in a rising marketplace, if it takes you six months to purchase, you know, if the market's jumped 10 to 20%, you know, you've got to do the math sometimes. If you can buy something in three weeks with someone helping you, um, you know, you've just got to look at it in that way sometimes. Um, As I said, you know, it's a, it's a professional industry and, you know, sometimes you, got, you need a professional's help to be able to get the right property. And if you can find something off market um, that they wouldn't normally know about, um, well, you know, why not? Exactly. Especially, especially and all, time for as well. Yeah, for sure. And also a lot of people just think getting off market is going to solve all their problems. But then when it comes to it, they don't know how to secure that home because Correct. they struggle how to substantiate what to pay for it. Yep. And then they end up taking too long and then before before they know it, it's sold. Correct. Or, or it goes to market and goes to auction. Exactly. That's right. 
All right, mate. Well, I think there's some gold in there for people to learn from, um, and I really appreciate your time. So thank no, you pleasure. for coming on, mate. All good, mate. Thanks very much.